This is the Robert Hanna Show. And we're live, ladies and gentlemen, with Jose Morales. What's up, man? What's up, baby? We're here. We're here. Robert. So, first off, thank you so much for being here, man. I know that you are crazy busy. I know that your schedule is taking you all over the place. So, I really appreciate you being on the podcast this morning, man. And I appreciate you uh, thinking of me and and, and allowing me and inviting me to come. Oh, man. I'm excited. Thank you. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. This This is a nice facility, nice studio. Thank you. Thank you. Second, your Instagram page is one that I visit just about every morning. And when I'm getting my mind locked in to take on the day, you've just always provided a ton of content and value to people that just really, it, it's fire. And so, thank you, man. Yeah, so shout Appreciate out for that. that, man. It's like it's it's like my coffee in the morning. I just, you know, <laughs> I find myself having to go there. That's a big compliment, man. Thank you. I wanted to talk to you about. There was a post that you recently put up, and in that post, it was kind of like a reflection where you were looking back on a lot of different things. And also in the post, you all you almost made it a tribute to your mom, and in there you highlight how. Your mom made a lot of sacrifices to give you a better life and to create a lot of opportunity for you. So I was wondering if you could talk a little more about that. Yeah. So um, that post, I think I know which one you're talking about, the moral one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one, the the reason why I po- post that when I, when I was, I did that, I looked at that moral and I uh, saw everything from just hit home. And, and what I mean by all the sacrifices my mom made for myself to be here. You know, when I was, uh, I was born in Mexico. So having to come here and, and being brought here uh, as a kid, I didn't really understand it. But as I grew older, I was in, I really un- put together of why my mom made those sacrifices. And, uh, and she pretty much gave up her life, all her personal goals that she had to give me and put me in a better situation. And uh, thinking that as an adult, I was like, you know, there's no way I'm gonna let my mom's sacrifices go to the trash. You know, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna make the best of her sacrifices of giving up her life and getting to this great country and uh, put me in all these situations. I was gonna make the best out of it, and uh, that's why I was like, that's my daily motivation. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm. My mom is living through me in a way. You know what I mean? So I was like, I'm gonna make the best of my life, and I'm gonna not sacrifice. I'm not going to put myself in any situation where I can ruin that. You know, I'm not going to get in trouble as a kid. I thought about that. I'm not going to start doing anything that's going to make me fall apart. And that's always in the back of my head daily. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I think the reason that I, I grasped onto that post so much, and I know we've talked a little bit about it before, is it took me a long time to have such a good relationship to the point of where I'm at now with my mom. Yeah. And and I feel that that support and that structure is so important, you know, especially realizing it as a father now. And as we talked about before, I mean, I put my mom through hell. And I really gave her every reason in the world to just give up on me. Yeah. Um, I was... I was just, I was going in and out of jail starting at the age of 15. Um, just, I mean, it was, it's very interesting because looking back now, I see it and I realize it and I understand it. And I feel that having that structure or that person to to go to when you're young is so important. So that's why I think that post stuck out the most to me. And from that, it's just like you said, it's the sacrifices that people make to get us here and what we do with it. Um, What what age were you when you came to the United States? So I was brought here when I was 11 months old. Mm -hmm. So to me, Sacramento's always been my home. I was raised here. Everything about Sacramento is with me. You know, I got the Kings tattooed. I got it on my back. (laughs) My Instagram name has Sacramento. Everything's Sac. You know, this is my home. But until it got on paper once I as I got older I started realizing as far as uh wasn't able to do certain things and social security I didn't have a social security number I wasn't a citizen all these things that's when I started paying attention and started realizing 
what it meant to be born in another country. You know, I just thought I was born in another country, but I didn't realize I was actually brought here illegally. You know, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't connect until I was about 12, 13 years old. So mm -hmm. it, it was, it was uh, shocking for sure. Boxing, and I know we're going to talk more about it, has played such a huge role in your life. Yeah. Where did the love of boxing come from, or where did that introduction come from? Um, I've always been very aggressive. I'm still very aggressive. I'm, I'm very, uh, I've always liked to fight, wrestle, and stuff like that, like at home. Never like on the streets or nothing like that. Like what I mean by aggressive, when I played with my cousins, I was always like hurting them or they're hurting me. It was always something I loved. And until my sister's now husband, then boyfriend, uh, he kind of introduced boxing to me. He's like, you should box. And uh, I was like, okay. And he took me to the boxing gym, and thanks to him and my sister and my mom, they all pitched in to as a kid to pretty much finance my boxing, and that's how it came about. They put Olymp uh, my the reason why Olympics was in my head is because he was like, you know, boxing is great. You can go to the Olympics. You could do all this, and he kind of set this dream in my in my head as a young boy that Olympics. So all I thought about was one day being on the Olympic team. Um, of course, I didn't do that, uh, but the, the, the reason why I'm, I'm not saying I would have made the Olympic team. I know I would have worked really hard to do it, but I was held back a lot because of my, my, my legal status. I wasn't able to complete, compete in, uh, in tournaments. Like I wasn't able to do national tournaments or anything that I was had advancing terms because I wasn't a U.S. citizen. So that kind of crushed me inside, you know, because that was what I was working towards and I dedicated my life to boxing and not being able to do that was kind of crushing, you know. When you realized that that barrier was now in front of you, what went through your mind? Uh, I mean, it sounds like there was some anger, yeah, but, was. but walk me through, you know, understanding what was in front of you now. Yeah, uh, the very first, first time it was for, I was gonna participate in the Silver Gloves and um, I got an application to how to fill out and ask for my social. And I gave it to my mom. My mom said, you don't have one, leave it blank. I didn't really understand what that meant. I gave it back to my coach and I uh, participated in the silver gloves, which was not the, there's a novice division and then there's the silver gloves where you advance, which is the ones that you want to be a part of. Those are the ones that you become mm -hmm. national champion and all that state champion and so forth. Uh, so I had to do the novice one. That was because I was not a citizen. I, at the time, didn't. I thought I still did the silver gloves, so it didn't really hit me uh, until I didn't have any advancing. Like, I'm like, okay, I won, so now what? Nothing happened. And that's when my coach told me, well, you weren't a part of the open one. And um, I just thought because he did not put me in the right bracket, so I didn't think much of it. Next tournament comes around, same thing. And then I started like really like, okay, so what's what is this that's holding me back? And he's like, dude, you're right. you're not a US citizen. So that's when I started like asking my mom and then she kinda just told me, you know, you're not here legally. You know, you don't Also have... up until that point you didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I knew I was born in another country, but I didn't know like the details of it. I was a little boy, you know, I mean, I didn't know I knew that I was born in Mexico. I knew but I didn't know like the social security, the right. citizen stuff, I didn't know that. Um, so that's when I kind of, I asked my coach, so what does that mean? He's like, you know, you're not gonna be able to participate as far as like open tournaments and things like that. And that's what it takes to do, to qualify for Olympic right. qualifiers and things like that. And I was kind of, at that time, I was really frustrated and I was sad and then I and I was kind of depressed. And I and then I looked into a lot of ways to become a, a, a resident and then a citizen, and there was nothing I could do. Uh, nothing. Uh, we even looked into someone adopting me and looked at different things like that, and I, it was no no way that I could have done it um, at the time we, without a law passing or without me being an adult and maybe uh, marrying somebody and having to go to Mexico or something like that. Which at the end of the day. Even when I was an adult, I didn't want to do that because I was, that's just not me. I'm not going to sure. marry someone just to, sure. you know, I didn't have that in the back. Like, oh, yeah, you married me, man. You, yeah. you owe me. You know, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So, but 
uh, for a long period of time, I gave myself that excuse that, you know, I can't, I kind of, in a way, didn't put as much effort into anything because I felt like anything I did, if I went to school, got a degree, when it was time for a job, you don't have a social, boom, you can't get the job. Uh, when it's time for this, boom, you can't do it because of this. So for a long period of time, I let that be the excuse for myself to kind of feel okay with not doing nothing with my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, for for years, I was like, I was still competing, but I didn't really, I was still like, I love to fight. I wanted to just turn pro at the time now. I was like more focused on pro versus Olympics. Um, How old were you at this point? At this point, uh, when I was focusing on turning mm -hmm. pro, uh, I was like uh, 19, 19. Yeah. Because you fought in over 55 amateur yeah, matches. Yes, I had a uh, close to 60. I think I had 58, 58 yeah. fights. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, most of them when I was a young boy, moved up to teenage years. And then I believe my last one was 2012, my last yeah. amateur fight. But yeah, so for a long period of time, that was like, I gave up on school. I dropped out of school. I, uh, I just had dead end jobs. Uh, working under the table. I wasn't really doing, I really had no career path or no goals because I let myself feel bad. I let myself okay with that. I get, I came to peace with myself that I was going to do nothing in my life because of my legal status. You know what I mean? Which, which unfortunately is, I mean, that's out there today as well. Yes, it uh, is. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, that issue of not being able to qualify for national events, that still exists today. Correct. And yeah. I've read some recent articles about fighters, you know, going through that same situation. And I just I, I really hope that people understand the many barriers that do exist from preventing people from achieving a goal or a dream. And whether you believe or don't believe in those barriers, they're out there. Yeah. And, that, and that's a very unfortunate thing because. For many people, and you know this better than anybody, for many people, that one thing is one of the only ways out of that situation that they're in or that environment they're trying to escape from. Yeah. So I just, I really hope that people understand that these barriers do exist. And yeah, that's a perfect example of, you know, thankfully, as we'll get into, you were able to overcome those obstacles and that mindset, but there's a lot of people that don't uh, because that door gets slammed on them. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like that for many years. I was like, all right, I kind of gave up on life. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that's a, unfortunately, that's a common thread through society. You know, yep. kids, I mean, I, you know, something similar. So with all of that kind of, like, aggressive, you know, that, that built-up frustration, that anger, um, it's affecting your life, it's affecting your mindset, it's affecting your school. It's, you, like you said, you've allowed it to kind of consume you and use it as an excuse as to, yeah. you know, what's going on. Walk me through, you know, kind of how you then begin to put that behind you or some of the events that happen that lead you to different opportunities and choices. Um, yeah, so I was already working. I started working at 14, right? So, and when I was working, uh, I was already driving also. So I had 15, 16, 17, I was driving without a license uh, to work, to school, to everything. And uh, throughout this time, uh, I would, Constantly get pulled over, constantly getting cars impounded, getting cars taken away, uh, just a lot of cars and money being thrown in the trash. Um, obviously, at 15, I was going to have a license, but at 17, 18, 19, 20, when I was an adult, 21, I was still getting cars impounded. And uh, and I was actually, a lot of times where I thought I was being, uh, I got mistreated. You know, I, I don't think I was treated fairly. Uh, and the way I was uh, targeted, targeted, yeah, yeah. And I had a lot of anger built up in me because of that. Like there was a point where I was like, man, I just can't stand everything. Like I hated, I hated the police because how I was being treated. I hated everything, everything. And and there was actually, um, uh, I'm, and I'm blessed. Uh, Angelo and Carrie, when I was 16 years old. I was actually working at the time, I was working at Olive Garden and they offered me a position at Primetime Boxing to teach, to teach boxing. And to me, at the time, and 
I was like, nothing better than to teach boxing. You know what I mean? Like, and they knew everything about me. They knew my story. They knew me as a kid. So um, me not being a citizen was not going to stop me from teaching boxing. So to me, that seemed like a career job, like a career. It kind of brought my life back to life in a way, in a way where I was not feeling that way prior. You get that passion back. So... um, I, I jumped on it. I took the job. Um, so at 16 years old, I was actually teaching in Roseville, which is actually the gym that I'm at now, which is funny. Um, uh, I was teaching. I uh, I kind of was around a lot more positive people. You know, the gym them, themselves, they were very encouraging. Angela and Carrie were very encouraging. Uh, the people around me, the, my, the people that I was teaching, the clientele, just kind of helped me change my mindset. Instead of uh, having all this hatred, I kind of started feeling more positive and, and that sense of hope came back. And once that happened, um, I remember uh, I was there for three years and I and I started becoming more eager to, mm-hmm. to turn pro and make something out of my life. And there was actually a point where I uh, I actually left funny I left this job that I love so much three years in I left because I wanted to focus on turning pro and uh teaching boxing and teaching boxing and doing boxing every day was like too much boxing it was like working <laughs> it's like working at Taco Bell and eating Taco Bell every day right. you know? like, yeah. so I decided to leave it. overload yeah overload yeah. so I'm like man if I hear another jab or another bell I'm gonna punch somebody so um I left I left um, and I wanted to get into cars, and that's when my automotive world kind of kicked in. Um, I walked away from bo- uh, from teaching boxing, and for three weeks, and I remember this very clear, three weeks, because I remember I was getting paid weekly, right? So I was like, man, it's been three weeks. I haven't got no money in. And uh, for three weeks, I made it a job to find a job in the automotive world. And who was going to hire me with no experience? Young, no diploma, mm-hmm. and no driver's license. How are you gonna work on cars without a driver's license? You know what I mean? It's like I was a lot. I got a lot of no's. I faced a lot of adversity through those three weeks. And uh, Andres, my sister's husband, kept pushing me. He's like, "Man, just do it. You'll find a job." And I'm thankful for him for that. And finally, I got a job in Roseville at a at a, at a tire shop. And when I when I got that job there. I was getting paid under, I was get, I was not being, I didn't get paid good. I didn't get treated. I didn't, it wasn't. Just a bad environment. It was a just, bad working yeah, it was not yeah. good for me. Yeah. I'm blessed though, because I met a few people. Not everyone was a dick of meat or nothing like that. I'm not going to say that. But um, it was, I was there. And when I was there, I was learning. Yeah. So I was thankful for that because after that, I learned how to work on cars. I was still competing. And that was kind of my college, my college education, being yeah. there, how to ch- change brakes, how to do tune-ups, how to do oil changes, change tires. And it started with just tires. And then from there, I started. there was a there was a technician there that would kind of take me under his wing. And uh, he was showing me a lot. And I was thank- I'm thankful for that. When I I just I actually was offered before that and between this reason why I bring this up I was right there, and I was very close to leaving New Mexico and I remember thinking this uh, I actually talked about it with with my family my girlfriend at the time uh, I I've, I actually we even talked about what our relationship was going to be like her here and me in Mexico right funny but uh, I was. Uh, planning on leaving. The reason why I was planning on leaving is because I would be a citizen of Mexico and I'd be able to do all these things there that I was not able to do here. So I was getting ready to leave. And as I'm, no joke, I even had two interviews via Skype with with the businesses in Mexico. Um, and when I'm getting ready to leave, I was offered a position at a smoke shop, uh, basic R&R. And I've always... I was like, hell yeah, it was better pay. It was, you know, it was, yeah. so I'm like, boom, this is, this is what I was looking to do. And that's a trip, man. That's the universe keeping you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thankful I didn't leave. And uh, I ended up at the smock shop and that's kind of where from there, all those things fall into place. I started noticing that all I needed to do really is get out of the environment of everyone. Right. Cause everyone around me, 
my family, everyone, not that they mean to be this way, but they understand that because of our legal status, there's certain things we can do. But once I was brought out of that and I was put in a positive environment, I was put in, uh, in with people that were encouraging and motivating. When I was put in that in that circle, my mentality changed. And once my mentality changed, yeah. I was I started uh, grasping new things, working towards new things, different doors opening, and really that anger and all this hopeless and. And, and, and all this was gone. I, I didn't have that. Now I was just eager to just learn, grow, and focus on me. And it was literally just changing my mindset. My mindset, yeah. Like you, I can pinpoint, you know, the different events and the people that came into my life where, you know, really took me under their wing also. And as we've gotten older, I mean, you hear so many different like motivational things and, you know, speeches and things like that. The one thing that I can, I can say for certain, the one thing that I know f- that is for real is that you will always be the average of who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And that is the number one thing that I always tell people who come to me or I talk with who are just in tough places or just don't know how to change because they're in an environment that they don't know what to do. And that's the first thing I've always told people is just audit your circle. And and you could start something as easy as social media. Get rid of all the people on social media that don't push you to be better or that, that give you that energy or, or push to become a better version of yourself. And you're 100% right. I mean, you will always be the average of who you surround yourself with. Yeah. So, you know, it, it it's very interesting because it sounds like you had those people in your life that, you know, were able to put you in those situations and pull you out of that mindset that was holding you down for so long. Yeah. And uh, it's just a trip, man. It's a trip. How, and, and, and like you getting that job right at the time where you're talking about going back to Mexico. I mean, yeah. that's the universe's way of just saying, wait, man, I got something else in store for you here. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you're finding success now. You know, through mindset, through people teaching you things, uh, you know, you're you're in the automotive industry. And where does that lead you back into boxing at this point? Um, so, yeah, so I was at automotive. I, I personally like cars until I started working on cars that weren't mine. Right. Then, I, <laughs> then I did not like them. <laughs> uh, no, nah, and I... Um, personally, man, uh, it just I, wasn't fulfilling it, that. It was that, not me. Yeah. The, the way I got into it really, and it was, I want to do something different. And the reason why cars kind of brought my interest is because I don't want to be that dad, that daughter or son calls me at midnight and say, I got a flat tire. And I'm like, uh, let me call triple right. you know, I was like, hold <laughs> up, I'm going to show up and I'm going to help right. my, my daughter or my son, you know? Right. And that's why, how I kind of went into automotive. But when I was there, I was at this. I was at the smog shop, and I started with just R and R, right? And I was offered a manager position because the 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 shop needed a bilingual speaker, mm-hmm. and literally just because I knew both languages, I was offered that position. And I was young; I was, I think I was nineteen years old. Oh. And uh, these were there were at the shop. There were a lot of other technicians there that were Mexican, myself, like myself, but they did not speak English. Mm-hmm. And I remember during that time, they would talk a lot of shit to me. They were like, "Yo, uh, this is young." Yeah, yeah why this, this guy thinks this guy thinks he's tight because he's this and that. I'm right. like, man. So there was a lot of battles verbally, you know, of this positioning and that. like alpha. Yeah, know, alpha yeah. dog. And um, so from there, I was there. Uh, for about three years, yeah, I was, but yeah, I was there for about three years. And when the Dream Act passed, I don't know if you guys know what the Dream Act is, but when the Dream Act passed, when Obama signed the bill that any any dream any 
uh, under the age of 16 brought to the U.S. illegally can get a work authorization. It was the pathway to citizenship. I think uh, uh, the original legislation did not. So that's when Obama, I believe, and I may be wrong and I apologize if I am, but he created that pathway to citizenship through through what you're describing. Yes. And really, it's just a a work. You can work now. Mm -hmm. So they give you a social. they, They give you pretty much all the rights of a resident will have mm-hmm. without um, without being a resident, mm-hmm. which when that happened, I remember, man, like it was yesterday. As soon as it passed and they allowed it to start applying, I did not sleep all night because I applied. That's how happy I was to be able to have a finally an opportunity to become part of this, this country officially on paper. Yeah. And, and I literally went on the computer I put I put a song on replay, no joke. I still remember the song. It was on replay, and I was just doing all my application, and I made sure I turned it in right away. And that's when I got my paperwork, and that's when I received my 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 social. I finally got a license. I remember when I got my license, man. I looked at that thing for like a month, man. I did not. I was just so happy. I finally had a driver's license, and and right there, everything changed. All these things that I couldn't do when I was at the, when I was working at the shop, I always wanted a dealership job. The reason why I wanted a dealership job is because I felt like it was like it was put on a pedestal. Like if you work at the dealership, you're going to make all this money. You have nice uh, everything, blah, 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 blah. Everyone talks good about it. So I was like, man, that's where I want to be. Like, I want to work there. When I got my social and all my paperwork, I was offered a uh, service manager position at a dealership, which funny is the same dealership that I would do smogs for so I get in contact with them. When they offered it to me, I had no idea it was them though. Um, and then when we get in contact, um, we we I realized, hey, I do your smogs, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I get there. Once I get there, I was still competing. Uh, that's when I actually, when I was at the, no, I was not competing no more. I actually stopped competing when I was at the smog shop. And that's when I hurt my hand. So what happened to your hand? My hand, uh, I actually broke it when I was sparring, during sparring. And um, when I broke it, I spent time training, still training with one hand. I literally fought twice with one hand. And when I was getting ready to make that transition, because I wanted to kind of get out of amateurs because there was no no future with me in amateurs no more. And I was working towards pro. Um, I was training for, I say, like, two years with one hand and every time that I try to go with two hands I kept re-injuring it re-injuring it and once the Dream Act passed it kind of gave me that hope that I don't have to do boxing now like competition wise I have I can I can focus on making a career I have a wife I have a a wife now I had my my, she was pregnant Um, I could focus on taking care of them and making a new career plus what am I really going to do with one hand in boxing? How far am I going right. to get? You know what I mean? I was like, there's more risk than anything else yeah. because I'm going to get hurt or it's not going to be good. So I decided to just leave it alone as far as competition. And that's when I went to full focus on making a career in the automotive business. And that's when I got that great precision. I was spoiled. I was making great money. I'm working Monday through Thursday. I was off Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I absolutely love my pay. I loved um, my schedule. I loved everything about it. But come Monday morning, I hated my job. Mm-hmm. Hated it. Tuesday, I hated it. Wednesday, I hated it. Thursday night, I loved it again. But I just hated what I was doing. And the reason why I hated what I was doing is it's very high stress, um, super high stress. I started gaining weight. I started uh not feeling good, looking good. Uh, I didn't like how I was feeling. And also, everyone was always mad at me because their cars broke. Like, it was my fault. Right. And I was like, man, shit. <laughs> if they're coming to see you, they're already upset because yeah. they know it's going to cost a lot of So there was a lot of reasons. No matter what I did to try to make people happy, they were still upset with me. So I was like, you know. And what really made me change my life, it made me change my my life as far as going back to boxing, my career, is I was at a service um, manager, a district meeting, a training, district training in uh, San Jose. And when we were there, all of, um, there was 
people in the same position as me from all over dealerships in Northern California. And I was talking to him. Everyone there was in their thirties or older. I was the youngest guy there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm talking to one guy, I believe he was probably like in his forties, maybe fifties, but he had been in the game for at least a couple of decades. Like he, he, he had been doing this for a while. And I always thought, man, talking to people and picking people's brains is the best way to learn. Yeah. So, <laughs> and right. I started asking, I started asking him and I went. And the reason why I asked him this, I wanted to learn from him. I said, what would you do different if you were in my shoes now? What would you do? And he told me, I would get the hell out of it. I would find a new career. That's wow. literally what he told me. And, I'm, wow. and I didn't expect that answer. I was expecting, oh, do this, you make more money. or uh, And, th- you know, I, that's what I was expecting. And the fact that he told me that, I was kind of like, what? Like, you're telling me it's not as great as it seems? Because I thought it was amazing. He was like, he said, I'm diabetic now. This I'm on my third on my third marriage. I did not see my kids grow up. I was not there with him. Um, he's like, I would just save up money and do something else because this. He's I just stayed here because of the money, and he's on the money. He's not everything. And when he told me that, I was kind of like, like just in shock. Oh, wow! <laughs> like, right. And um. And that's when I decided, you know, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do something else with my life. I started saving up money. That moment. That right? was it. That was it. That was it. That was it. I said, I'm not doing this forever. I started saving up money. I started um, planning on what I'm going to do with my boxing gym. I was like, I'm going to have a boxing gym. I'm going to do this. And I wanted to be that person that I felt like I always needed when I was competing. Mm-hmm. I needed a team. I needed I needed uh, somebody to be there at home. I was raised on a single mother. I never met my father. So so that was huge. I wanted to be that that aspect. I wanted to be that person for somebody that was there, a single parent. I you wanted, wanted to, to be, reverse that. Yeah, year. I wanted to have yeah. that team. I wanted to be that trainer that I always felt I needed. Uh, I wanted to be that that person that just guided you to success. You don't have to worry about nothing but fighting. And that's when I'm like, this is what I'm going to do in my boxing gym. This is how I'm going to change people's lives because boxing changed my life. And that gave you the, the passion. And how get, old were you right now at this point? At this time, I was 23, 23, oh, 22, 23. Man. I was in early 20s. And, um, it, and and honestly, I was making good money, man. Like, I was making over $100,000 a year. I was off Friday, Sunday, and Sunday. I was, you know, I could have easily stayed there for 20 years, easily. I if that guy would have never told me that, man, I could eat and and I couldn't listen to him and not paid attention to him. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy's fucking crazy. Right. But I took in deep consideration what he said because this guy was in the same position as me, was making the same amount of money as me. The only difference is the guy was already t- years in. I was just on like my third year in or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So. I was like, you know, I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to learn from this guy. He said, get out of it. I'm going to get out of it. That's so funny. Uh, When I was in my early 20s trying to to find my way as well, I'll never forget, I came across uh, a gentleman, I believe uh, his name was J.J. McClatchy. And he came from the McClatchy family who, you know, owned a bunch of the, the newspaper publications, the Sacramento Bee, all that, and just multi, multi, multi millionaires. And I will never forget when he told me, that if you choose the path to ultra wealth, you have to sacrifice your family because you can't have both. And I always thought that that was so interesting because he, you know, opened up to me later on and, you know, explained to me his perspective on that statement. But that always stuck with me because so many people get wrapped up in it. So many people get wrapped up in vanity metrics or the, the pursuit of money. And everybody's always so focused on the happy ending when the real prize is the journey. Yeah. And uh, that's crazy. So it, it, in your early 20s, that just sticks right into you and you just change your life. I wonder if that guy ever knew how much uh, he... <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know his name. <laughs> right. Because I just, just met some him. guy floating out there that changed yeah, your we life. Yeah, we were at a man. training thing together. I probably just saw him that day. I think he worked somewhere in the Bay Area. To be honest, I don't even know his name. So, <laughs> so, so that that situation is what ultimately set you on the path to walk down, creating your own platform, your own experience, yeah. your own. Talk to me about that. Uh, as hard as far that, as how I got yeah, into just, it, yeah. Walk me through the next steps. Of- so I'm I'm saving money and I'm telling my wife my plan, and my wife's always been super supportive. 
you know, and she was like, you know, whatever you do, I'm, I'm there for you. And, um, as I'm there, I'm, I start like getting closer and I'm, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make this happen. And right when I'm going to, I'm looking, I remember I'm going to, I haven't told nobody this. So I went to look at like four different buildings, right. And just to look into leasing. And I went to one guy, which was the first guy I went to. And that guy, he, he, when I, he just looked at me, like he didn't believe me. Oh my goodness. I'll never forget. I went there. I looked at the building. I was asking questions about the building and I actually was blessed that, um, when, during this time that I'm looking for buildings to lease and all this, the gym that I worked at when I was 16 was going to close. They were going to close his doors. They were going to just close it. And, uh, Carrie, the, uh, she hit me up. She's like, Hey, I'm going to get ready to uh, move on, move on, yeah. close the doors here. Do you want to take over it? You know, blah, blah, blah. Wow. And this was <laughs> when I was looking for buildings. Like, it was going to save me a crazy amount of money. I was already had everything. I already was familiar with people in the area because I used to teach there. And there was no way I was saying no to that. I said, hey, the universe yeah. is lining up. Yo, yeah. Once again. <laughs> so I said yes. And uh, uh, boom, I took over it. And that was it. I remember when I did it, when I, I, I literally, the gym wasn't making no money. So the the gym itself, I had to build it up. Mm -hmm. And I, everyone was telling me, oh, keep your job, work at where you're doing and teach a couple classes, slowly build it up. And I was like, I can't, I can't do that. The reason why I cannot do that is because I'm not gonna give it 100% that way. I need to be there and give it all I right. got or else it will not succeed. Right. So I did that. I literally gave my two week notice in at the dealership, <laughs> I told everybody I was teaching boxing. My whole family, my 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 brothers, my sister, my mom, my wife—they were super supportive of me. Uh, people I worked thought I was crazy. Not everyone. There's a few guys that were like, you know, they believed in me. Like my 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 manager, uh, my boss. They were like, they were they they knew what I was capable of. They believed in me. But there's other people that I, I could tell they were like. This guy's gonna go open a boxing gym. What the hell's wrong <laughs> right. with this guy? You know what I mean? Right. And um, they, I know they didn't. They were like, "He'll be back. He'll be back." And I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna make this happen. Worst comes to worst." And think about this: a lot. This is where people have a hard time doing, taking that leap of faith, oh. jumping into crazy. Because at the time, I had my baby boy, my wife that did not work. She was at home. She was a stay-home mom. I her job was to take care of my boy and take care of the house. And me, I was the bread earner, and I had a house, I had a car payment, I had a lot of overhead. Right, I had a lot of overhead, <laughs> a lot of responsibility, a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> and I left, and I took on this on this journey, and I will never look back. I killed it. I killed it, and and I'm and if I was able to do it again, I'll do it again. I love and, I love that story, man, and I love it because ultimately, you look back now. And it, it had to have been one of the most terrifying times in your life in terms of you're following your passion, but you have a family at home. Yeah. But then you really look at how many people don't make that leap of faith and weigh themselves down yeah. and, then, and then think about regret. I'm no expert on life, but I have always said that on my deathbed, the one thing that I do not want is to look back and to have any regrets. And I love when people make those decisions and it ultimately not only changes their lives, but you know, we'll go into a little bit about how many lives now that decision has changed because of the environment that you have created. Yeah. And that to me is the most interesting thing because even right now listening, there's someone listening right now to this that is on the fence, that has an incredible idea, that thinks that they're too old to execute on an idea that's been floating around for a long time. And that's the thing is life is so short. Just do it. Just do it. Just start. That's, that's step number one. Start. Put something on paper. Start. And the amount of people that don't because of fear it's uh, it's one thing that I just I've never 
I've never been able to comprehend what it's going to be like for a lot of people that look back and say, man, I wish I'd have done that. Or man, I, So to hear your story in that leap of faith, I hope that this all translate to somebody out there listening to just stop what they're doing right now and find out. Now, obviously, a lot of people won't be able to quit everything around them like, yeah. like you were, you know, in a, like you did, but you could side hustle. You can you can turn that idea into a side hustle and then build it to a point where ultimately then you have the decision to take it on full time. So I just love that story, man. You know, from from where we started to, you know, how you became an entrepreneur. It's just an amazing thing. At this point, you're mid 20s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, 25. Right. And then. You know, you, you have these responsibilities, you're giving it 100%, you're able to grow it. Talk to me now about surrounding yourself with, you know, people that, you know, inspire you to keep you going on a day-to-day -day basis and the whole process of people walking in that door wanting to become a better version of themselves for whatever reason and now you have the ability to change their lives as they walk through your door at Jose Morales Boxing Academy. So kind of like how you said edit and audit your circle earlier I do the same thing as far as um, getting putting people around me that expect more from me and push me, friends, close friends that are like, come on, let's do this. And I and I try to be that person for the people that come to the gym. Yeah. If and I and it starts a lot with talking to them, conversations with them, getting familiar with them, getting let them know you care about them, getting to know what their goals are. Uh, more than just boxing, get to know what they want to do in life and ask them about them and get to get to the bottom of why they're there. Some people are there for, they're lonely, they're looking for something to do. Some people are there because they work out, because they want to compete. But at whatever it is that they're there for, I make sure I connect with them and let them know that I'm there to help them reach their goals, whatever it is that I can do. I'm there to make it do it. And I'm, and I'm constantly reminding them, hey, remember you said this. Yeah. Hey, remember this. And that's, that's the kind oh, of... Oh, I've gotten those messages from you. Yeah. Hey, man, get in here. <laughs> yeah, what happened? Yeah, so I'm constantly reminding them. And that's that's where where I... You're inspired. In, inspiring them as well as I get inspired by them. Seeing Just them as much that. as they need you, you need them. Exactly. And you exactly. feed off of that. Very true. Yeah. We've talked about, and we both really agree and buy into that every single one of us has a story that could help somebody. Mm -hmm. And that is so true. Very true. And, <laughs> and just Very by true. telling your story, it may help one person, it may help 10, 100, thousands, millions. But that's one thing that I hope everybody understands, that every one of us has a story that can help somebody. Yeah. And that's the beauty of, in my opinion, the environment that you've created um, is every single person in there is, has got to that point. Every single person has walked through those doors for different reasons, as you said. But ultimately, you know, we're, it's a family. Mm -hmm. And it's an environment that so many people need because they either didn't come from it, don't have it, but, you know, have found it now. Yeah. And that's what makes... It, 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 that's what takes it from just being a business to being an experience. Yeah. And that's the magic of, you know, just like the first time I walked through those doors. Mm -hmm. I went in there because I was having health issues. I, you know, grew up, you know, not knowing a lot about boxing. You know, I, I always kind of respected it as an art. But from the day that I walked in there, man, it was just a feel where I knew. And I remember that both you and David you know, told me, I, you know, like you said, I explained, hey, this is why I'm here. This is what I want to do. And I remember you guys specifically saying, if you do this, you will get there. Yep. And I remember uh, it was just, it's it's that type of atmosphere. And you lost a lot of weight too. Almost 50 pounds in six months. Yep. Yeah. And your daughter's doing amazing. Yep, my Sophia daughter. goes there killing it, baby with suppers. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, it's just, it's an incredible, it's an incredible place, man. And I know you're, you're humble and you're, you're not going to say it. So I'm going to say it. 
you have, you know, overcome so many different obstacles and barriers and you have entered the entrepreneur life and created one of the most successful boxing academies around. You coach not only adults, you, you know, you've created a, a youth program, you, you know, coach pro fighters. And that's what I mean. It's, it's, you've taken on the role of so many different hats, man. But I, I truly believe that that's because your experience has equipped you to do it. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. For and, real. And, Thank you. and there's, there's one other thing that I wanted to, to touch on, you know, and back up just a little bit is when you talked about going through the process of, you know, early on, you know, going through and getting the documentation and, and how excited you were when, you know, you got your documentation to become a citizen officially. That is something that I want to touch on because that is a perfect example of people take those types of things for granted today. Yeah. They really do. And the amount of bullshit that people focus on on a day-to-day basis, I mean, I mean, a problem for most people, they freak out if the wrong cup of coffee is given to them at Starbucks. But those are the little things that people take for granted that I was so glad to listen to how you articulated how, how happy that moment was for you and for your family, because there is a lot of people right now in that situation. And, and there's a lot of people that don't get that opportunity. So you know, I know that we're in a very polarized political climate, you know, in the country today, but I was very glad that you, you know, approached that subject and were very candid in talking about that whole process. Yeah. Because that is something that whether people want to bury their heads in the sand, that shit is real. And there are, there are a lot of people that want to come and, you know, just be respected and be, you know, be in a situation that you are today, and there's a lot that don't get that opportunity. So I hope that, you know, by sharing that, that people really, you know, really listen to your perspective. And I I actually say that all the time, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but I actually say that I, when I go talk to people and I explain to people and I try to, I go, I go to like at-risk kids and I talk to kids on probation or I talk to people, adults that are trying to get their life back together, I bring that up. And sometimes I feel like they can't connect with me because they don't understand how great of an opportunity they are at. And the reason why I say that is because being born in this great country, you already not only you have so many opportunities that the whole world wishes they have. Mm-hmm. And just by being born here, just by being born here, you have those rights, you have all these all these things right there. You just have to grab them and take them. Yeah. And the fact that I'm thankful that I didn't, I'm thankful for my experience. I wouldn't want to do that again, but I'm thankful <laughs> yeah. that I had to live through that because it made me appreciate it that much more when I got it. Yeah. It made me appreciate that much more being here, that much more driving here, having a license here, having a social. It made me appreciate it that much more. And it made me, as a teenager, stay out of trouble, honestly, because this is the way I, best way I can describe it. Imagine you you have your house, you have your kid there, your kids, right? And your kids bring their friend to stay the night and they're staying with you. How do you, and let's say you caught them both stealing. Your your daughter and mm-hmm. her friend are stealing from you guys mm-hmm. in your house. They're both going to get treated differently. You know why? One is your so- your daughter and the other one is her friend. The daughter is going to get time out, go to her room, I don't know, get maybe oh, a spanking. A conversation. Yeah, <laughs> some, something like that. The other kid gets kicked out. He's probably not going to be at the house no more and probably never talk to him again. Get the fuck out of my house. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the same thing that was in my head growing up here. I, I'm, I'm not in my house right now. I'm at my friend's house. Mm-hmm. I can't go around doing all these... I can't get around fucking around doing shit that I get me in trouble because I'm not at my house. They're not going to just smack my hand and put me in my room and then I get out of my room. I'm not going to go to the county jail get out. Mm-hmm. When I get out of county jail, I'm going to be in Tijuana. You know what I mean? It was right. like, that's the kind of mentality that I, I had in my life and people have to understand that that most... 
in people in my situation, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say illegals and uh, undocumented people, are think that way, mm-hmm. at least in my family, because the last thing we want to do is be put in a situation with a police officer where we can end up where sure. we started and have to do all that all over again. You know what I mean? So I can't connect with people when I try to tell them this, and I'm trying to tell them, take advantage of what you have right now. Right. Take advantage of all these positions and all of these things that you can do with your life. Right. So I just want to make sure I said that. Yeah. And another thing I want to say, I'm going to cut you off again, is, you know, you said everyone has a story and they should talk about it and they should this and that. That's true. I, for years, never, not once mentioned my story or talked about me being undocumented, talked about anything that I did with my personal life. Never, ever. The first time I did it, was when I was on a, a Till You Collapse podcast. And the reason why I did that is because a week prior, I mean, the day before that, I was with my family and I talked to them. I'm like, look, I'm going to start doing this. And I was so scared. I was so scared. I was so nervous. And I was so worried to see what people thought yeah. about me. Mm-hmm. What are, how, are, how are my members at the gym going to see me now? How are the neighbor, uh, the 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 kids gonna see me. How's everyone around me gonna see me as an undocumented person being here? You know, are they gonna hate me? Are they not gonna like me? That's what I was worried about for years. But then I came to peace with myself. You know what? I don't care. I don't care how they see me. If they can't appreciate me for who I am, That's then right. obviously they can't. They should not be a part of my life. That's you know, right. if they can't appreciate what I stand for. And that's when I started speaking out. And since then, I've been I've been very public about my situation. And the reason why I'm very public is because I want to be that motivation. I want to be that cup of coffee for people daily. And you are, man. And uh, yeah. and and that's how that's how it came about. So those are the two things I wanted to say. And and yes, everyone should talk, talk to everybody, listen. You can learn from anybody, even people that fucked up their life. You can learn from. Absolutely. You know, you can learn from them. Like, oh, I did this. Sometimes I did that. you learn more from them than anybody. Yeah, because you're like, okay, I'm not gonna do that. Right. <laughs> you know, so just like the gentleman who you asked. Yeah. What would you do different if you were me at this age? And yep, he told I learned. you to walk away. Yep, I learned a lot right there. It changed really? my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah. I, uh, so. The power of conversation is is life changing, and uh, you're right. Um, I'm glad you you know feel comfortable in telling your story, and I really appreciate you doing just that. And like I said, you know where you where we started from, and to where you're at today, that is something that is that can be accomplished by anybody. Yes. And uh, I'm really glad that you were able to come on today and to no, share that, man. Thank you, Robert, and, for yeah. having us. Thank and you. I really appreciate it. So. Thank you for that, and I know we got to get out of here and wrap up. But before before you go, um, why don't you tell people how to reach out, follow you, and get a hold of you? Okay, uh, on Instagram, I don't have Facebook, but Instagram is El Rey de Sacra, which is E L underscore R E Y underscore D E underscore Sacra S A C R A, the King of Sac in Spanish, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, um, you can also email me at jose at theboxingacademy.net. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gym is Jose Morales Boxing Academy, and that's pretty and much for it. for anyone that doesn't know, you got to follow those pages because I'm telling you right now, they are fire. I go there every single morning just to get the mindset right, and I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank it you, It means a lot for being here You're today, man. man. What's up, yeah. Thank you. All right. Take care, everyone. Peace. Boom. Thanks for listening to The Robert Hanna Show. Follow us on social media and be sure to check out the website at hannaman247.com.